into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Ah. Rolling. I haven't ever done that one before. The opposite of it's finished. Hello, <laughs> welcome, really welcome to Pod Damn America. The very hot, it's very hot in here. Goth socialist cultural critique podcast comedy thing. <laughs> it's very hot. I don't have. Uh, it's hot. That's the intro this week. It's so fucking hot. Anders, tell us about eugenics. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, welcome to Anders Lee here's Kratom Corner. Um, <laughs> if you think it's hot now, you should see the culture around eugenics in the early 20th century. Oh, it was... That was all the rage. It was that, and... It was uh, lit. Flapper haircuts, and fucking, uh, cat... Wait, what is this? Cat urine destroyer? <laughs> My roommate just went to great lengths to drop that on the table without... Without, without interrupting the narrative. Respectfully so. <laughs> I, that was so funny to me. Have you guys <laughs> ever can't let it fly that we have access to urine destroyer. I mean, it is very funny. No, that's something I need because my bathroom, <laughs> I, I don't have any cats, but every time the girlfriend comes over, she sells, says it smells like pee-pee. And I've cleaned everything. I don't know what it is. Uh, What's that? Huh? <laughs> but maybe I should use it this. It smells like human pee-pee? I, she doesn't specify what species. But you don't have any cats. What are you going to spray this on? It's like poison. <laughs> Wait, Maybe spray it everywhere? Know. You know what they sell? Oh, I in... thought it was like well, Scotch Guard. Like you were just going to like weatherproof your entire bathroom. <laughs> if, yeah. if any piss goes astray, it just bounces all over the place and shit. <laughs> oh, well, my you know house what they... smells like cancer now. It's <laughs> much better. In uh, Minnesota, they sell c- uh, coyote urine pellets to put in your yard as a way of like to getting put in your kratom. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually had a fr- well. This is the the urine pellets are to like get varmint to go away, like but, coyotes, like coyotes and shit. But they do. Um, my friend, they hate their own urine. <laughs> yeah, my friend who's also whose name is also Anders. He was in <laughs> New York in like uh, he went to college in Long Island, and he was uh, he convinced this guy who was just dosed out all the time. This guy did like acid like every day and stuff. He's like that guy in the dorm. And uh, my buddy Anders was like, yeah, in Minnesota, we do this thing, uh, moose cum. We uh-huh. <laughs> drink it, uh-huh. and it makes uh-huh. you fucked up. <laughs> and this guy was like, oh, can you like get me some? Does uh, it make you fucked up? No. Because you feel like you've had yeah, sex with a moose? real, right? I, I guess. Dude, I'll just believe anything you say. <laughs> I trust you so much. That's the problem. And but... that you would abuse that moose cum <laughs> joke. It's not yeah. funny. It's not cool. Uh, Kratom gives you the strength of a moose. Right. You didn't well, know I know that. you're doing it now. Oh, damn. All right. <laughs> well, lie to me some more. Let's explore. You know what? I. You know what's a big lie is the idea that we need to breed out undesirable elements of the human race. Really? And that we can perfect uh, humans on the basis of their racial 
composition and or genetic uh, predispositions and qualities. Man, now you're really fucking with us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're telling me that my genetic code will not tell me if I'm predisposed to stealing loaves of bread. (laughs) (laughs) Not so much. I mean, uh, certainly seems like a silly thing to say or think in 2019, although uh, it is certainly making a comeback. But this was par for the course, common sense, logical stuff in the uh, early 20th century for a very long time. That's this not was so long ago. Not so long ago, and it lasted uh, for like 60, uh, 40, like 50 to 60 years. Um, eugenics is what we're talking about today, the big <coughs> E. Um, <laughs> I initially got... This episode is entitled The Big E, by the, big the way. E. Move on. We I thought we were doing eugenic it. event... What was it? Neon, neon, neon Eugenics Evangelion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make a compilation of every time you've called something the big. <laughs> it doesn't really work with the big E because it E does not really sound like the beginning. It sounds like it begins with a U. Neon Eugenics Moron Gellion. <laughs> the notorious big, big E. Big E. <laughs> That's what they've been talking about. <laughs> Eugenics. Yeah. The, the big E U. The big huge. There we go. Huge. Okay. Well, it was it was huge back in the day, <laughs> and it started. Well, the reason I got interested in this, why don't I start with that? Is uh, I've been trying to learn a lot about you know, my, my show, uh, Dummy, about the autistic spectrum, and uh, I happen to believe that the roots of the tism. Um, come from the diagnosis comes from the eugenic movement and that's borne out by the history Ugin another E name EU name Ugin Bluler was a this is an uncle of yours (laughs) (laughs) I met Andrew's uncle last Friday his name's Rolf that's true (laughs) shit's funny as hell (laughs) not Ralph Rolf Rolf. which is uh, yeah um we're we're good we're good Nordic stock, which is what they wanted, and as it turns out, not so great. Eugenics is the study of trying to create a world of Anders Lees. Oh. Very popular for millennia. Now I understand the thesis here. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what my show's about. <laughs> this eugenics can't be real because I'm it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best it gets. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Um but Ugin Bluler was Ugin Bl- that, that sounds like a name like you made up on the spot <laughs> it very well could be and i thought his name and it would be perfect because his name is his first name is spelled u oh, sorry e-u-g-e-n uh so for a while i thought it was just like eugene or ugen uh eugen uh which would be like per, maybe eugenics is named after him but no it's the swiss pronounce it ugen um but Damn. he was a psychiatrist founder of eugenics <laughs> Ugen, yeah it was his own thing but he so uh he was the founder, not of eugenics, but of schizophrenia, um, which is a very controversial topic. On, on the left, unlike the sort of, sort of you know, Foucaultian left, uh, schizophrenia is seen as this, you know, is a construct. And in some respects, that's, I think that's true. Um, but originally, he thought autism was just a subset of schizophrenia uh, because it was like somebody who was just... Autos is where it came from. Someone who's just like inward and can't look outside of themselves. Now, Anders, you're a doctor. Is there a difference yeah. between paranoid schizophrenia and then other versions of it? 
I yeah, I mean, I would think so. Like, uh, if you have schizophrenia, do you always have multiple personalities? No, 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 no. Schizophrenia no. isn't like just like it, it, it was popularized as the idea of multiple personality disorder, but that's like two different things. I think of the man yeah. from Psycho, and I think, what version of autism is this? <laughs> <laughs> Where you that, think your mother is your dog? Well, I think contemporarily that would be described as a personality disorder of some kind. But I mean, schizophrenia is a pretty big tree. Uh, it's got a lot of branches, and one of them he thought was autism. He, uh, though, was a eugenicist. So autism I think is it's one of the presents under the schizophrenia tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, oh no, I love the imagining the schizophrenia tree. <laughs> <laughs> the various boxes you open that drive the you insane. Terrible boxes every year. <laughs> no. <laughs> I emptied my bank account. This was a horrible present. <laughs> you know, it might not be a bad present. You get the leaves from the schizophrenia tree. Grind them up, cold broom, drink them up. That'd Kratom, baby. Kratom. That's what Kratom is. The leaves um, from the schizophrenia. <laughs> it makes you just a little bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that podcasting edge. <laughs> but Ugin was under the impression that um, it was important to identify these conditions and things uh, because we must address them, or in his, unless in his words, our our race will rapidly deteriorate. I guess he meant the human race, but. Um, but so this it was, oscillates back and forth between human and uh, why white white yeah white people uh, right so it's you know I don't I'm, and of course I will add the caveat uh, I think a lot of these conditions are legitimate and things we need to study and help people with but we need to put it in the context of this is how it was founded this is what the social context was at the time when he discovered, well, coined really, he didn't, you know, schizophrenia was, he was a eugenicist and they were looking for ways, not necessarily to help people, I guess in some respects they were, but the, the main thrust of what his job was and what most clinical uh, professionals was, was to, um, to purify the, the human race, purify the germplasm, uh, which is a term they used for human genetic stock and right, national genetic stock. They didn't discover DNA till way later. Yeah. Um, so you think it starts more with Ugin? And, no, no. Okay. I just bring him up as my own entry point into why I got interested in this stuff. Okay. Um, All right, that makes sense. But it started with uh, a guy, uh, Sir Francis Galton, who was a jack-of-all-trades, statistician, sociologist, anthropologist, explorer, meteorologist, psychologist and he uh real ass dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> um he was lived in victorian era england and was the first person to use the term eugenics in there was only coal under his schizophrenia tree yeah which was very useful at the time this guy was a real scrooge um he wrote this book in 1883 inquiries into human faculty and its development um and I think a very important point about Sir Francis Galton is that he was a half-cousin with Charles Darwin. And that's where a lot of eugenicists got their sort of intellectual backing from. They'd say, look at this, origin of the species, Darwin, we, the human race needs to, uh, you know, survival of the fittest. That's how evolution happens. We got to get on top of our, our germplasm. We got to get on the gene code. You flip the idea, and instead of waiting for people with weak traits to die, just 
get rid of the people with weak traits to make the race stronger. Exactly. Accelerate It's your cousin Francis. I got that sound you've been looking for. And then he just reads eugenics literature <laughs> into the I guess there wasn't a telephone at you the time. You can't see it, but it's a germ plasma. <laughs> it's from Back to the Future. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> Um, but Darwin actually had sort of a more nuanced view on this. Um, I, as some people have argued, he was a racist. I, I'll see that point, sure. Um, but he did think that charity was important. That was actually a, a big aspect of evolution, is that hu- as humans get more advanced, we become more charitable, more uh, open to helping those who are less fortunate. He thought He saw that as a good thing. So he probably would not have been in support of uh, the eugenics movement and a lot of these policies that ended up happening. Um, but that didn't stop people like Galton from running with this, uh, as well as some other people. Uh, Charles Davenport was one who was a uh, zoologist uh, fitting for, for this. You got to love him. Yeah, he really <laughs> viewed people as animals, um, some of us. And was really um, sort of a precursor to the Nazis. He, he actually helped the Nazis uh, formulate some of their policies. Really? And, yeah, when they were still, before they came to power, at least. He like was, in the 30s or 20s? In the 20s and 30s, yeah. He was, there's a lot of, he would help them out with stuff. They would correspond. He would go over, give them research and have an exchange. But he actually. Teach them about animals. Teach them about animals, <laughs> Take yeah. Trips to the zoo with their zoologist friend. Keep see, in mind, Himmler, an elephant never forgets. I want, <laughs> want to see the penguins. <laughs> um. But he actually kind of turned against the Nazis in the late 30s. Really? His reasoning, though, was uh, not so great. It's a deep sleeper agent. Yeah, he had kind of a, a pretty hot take. Um, he was, once he found out that Goebbels, Joseph Goebbels, had a club foot, he got kind of upset. And wrote a letter. <laughs> Spiciest take of yeah. all time. The Nazis are not racist enough. <laughs> he wrote a letter to a uh, letter to the editor in Life magazine, and he's he's talking about Roosevelt, and he's saying, uh, well, he's mad at Life, and he says that Life should be guilty of this lower cl- middle class banality printed under the portrait of President Roosevelt, the man who triumphed over blighting physical affliction to become the happy leader of his country is assured of lasting rank among the heroes of the human spirit. Why not look up history and see how dangerous is the ambitious, mentally well-endowed physical cripple, whether the crippling was congenital or acquired? Uh, From Tamerlan, uh, I don't know who that is, to Goebbels, the club-footed, physical cripples, genial, gentle-hearted, charitable men like uh, some other people have led revolutions and inspired to dictatorships while burdening their country with heavy taxes and reducing its finances to chaos. This is like the first ether. Yeah. He says the physically defective man tends to compensate for his defect by doing great and striking non-physical things that lead to full satisfaction of his in other directions thwarted ambition. Remember that part in Ether where Nas tells Jay-Z he has AIDS? No. That's like what this is. Yeah, I guess so. 
Um, this is obviously relevant today because there's like all this alt right shit happening. That's like neo eugenics sort of shit. Yeah. I didn't even mean to say that uh, or to make that pun. But like, have you seen that um, that meme that's going around from like uh, men's testosterone at Twitter dot com or whatever yeah. thing about like um, that shit's fucked. Is that real? Is that like I, that's I mean, not a satire image? Uh, I don't know. It might. It might be. It could be one of those things that's like fake that got passed around by people. Like, can you believe this? But assuming it's real, just so the audience knows what we're talking about. There's this like graphic going around on Twitter right now that's supposedly put out by this this you know weird like uh, uh, proud boyish. Uh, what is the word? Like misogynistic men's uh, rights, men's rightsy thing. sort of thing. That's like. It- it's got a, a bunch of. It's got four men on it. One's from the 1950s. One's from the 80s. One's from now. And then the one is like in the future, and they get progressively smaller and more effeminate. And, and then, then they like, start growing tits. The one in the future, apparently in like 2030 or whatever, men are according to them going to have like tits and like tiny dicks and like wide hips and shit like that. <laughs> from gaming. <laughs> yeah. It also has like part of the chart is penis size, yeah, and yeah. part of it's like strength, incredibly high, <laughs> penis size, bust worthy. Yeah, they look like it's Pokemon or something, where they've got like stats on them, and there's these little black bars over there. That's crazy. <clears throat> this is some. This is if this is real, this is an image made by someone who thinks everyone was taller in 1940. Yeah, are you fucking kidding oh, me? Yeah. Have you not seen an old person? And there's still huge people walking around now. It makes no sense. Makes no sense. But it caused me to get curious about something that I've never actually looked up, which is that like every once in a while somebody will call you like uh, soy face. Let's say you're doing something called soy face online, which is one of their things. And I got curious. I looked it up on Know Your Meme, and I guess what it is is um, there's like a, t- a thing where they put two pictures next to each other like that, and they're like real men. And I guess real men, it's just like you don't smile in a photograph. And then apparently a sign of the de-evolution of the male species in America, according to these people, is when you take a photo and your mouth is like open and you're smiling. Oh, I do that shit all the <laughs> time. <laughs> I think oh no, I don't. Which is weird. Somebody called me soy face. I'm not a very smiley person. But also, you just look like, a, like you're having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do it because I'm uh, wrinkly. My wrinkles show if I don't open my mouth. The other thing with soy face is supposed to be that you eat soy because you're like vegan or whatever. You're feminized, and then the the soy gives you lady hormones. Supposedly, yeah. Like, that so, make you smile like a dipshit. I don't think it's true. Yeah, soy milk is so 2004. Like I don't we're think on they'd the say almond it if it wasn't cashew. True. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I guess what just led me to think about this was someone discovering a photo of uh, Joseph Goebbels doing soy face. Ah! <laughs> black and white going like, no <laughs> the revolution is compromised yeah. <laughs> so much soy and he's just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just having a good time at the zoo with the other Nazis well it's so it's interesting because the Nazis actually were not as ableist as these guys uh, at first they were they had a, the T4 euthanasia program where they would kill uh, disabled people um, but there were protests. They actually allowed these protests in Nazi Germany because people, they had friends and neighbors who were disabled, and they're like, hey, what? we should not kill them, and they're not Their Jews. Their families were being murdered, and so there was a pushback yeah, there. Right, yeah. and they actually allowed them to, to protest, and they changed the, the policy, uh, which is kind of bizarre. You know, people were able to do that, but, and they also bizarre because people who were considered autistic psychopaths were killed. 
in many cases. Yeah. Uh, and they were okay with that. Well, you know, um, I mean, I don't want to get too off topic, but you you always, if, you, if you're a political power structure, you do what you can get away with. And yeah. so if there's an ideology that you right. want to kill these people and do eugenics, you can do it to the Polish people and the uh, uh, religious minorities you've rounded up and the, like, political prisoners you've rounded up. But then if you're just doing it to people in daycares or whatever, <clears throat> yeah, there's go- you're going to get some letters. Right. Daycare, I mean... I could go off on this is part of my show, dummy the solo show, but um plug here plug. for dummy the little solo plug. Show. Uh it's a show, it's an Andrew show. <laughs> the th- the autistic psychopaths were who were uh, identified by Hans Asperger, who was who worked for the Nazis. Um they weren't they were all it's a very wide array of people. And basically anybody who just couldn't follow who, for whatever reason, intellectually or just like behaviorally and uh, their their temperament was not right for the Hitler youth, was considered a psychopath and uh, called autistic and often executed. Uh, sometimes like they were cured, but uh, most, yeah, it was it was basically cut ups in Wait, the so, Hitler youth. So what makes you a psychopath in the Hitler youth? Not being able to uh, join the Boy Scouts. Oh, but yeah, basically. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a real psychopath. Yeah. yeah. If you don't want to build a little, like, in tent. We give him right. so many knots and he can't tie any of them, the lunatic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're just like, fuck this, this is stupid. Then Were either of you in Boy Scouts? This kid's out of his fucking mind. <laughs> I, no. was in, I was in Cub Scouts. I was in Cub Scouts. I remember they gave me a knife at a very young age to carve up soap. And I uh, looked around while carving up the soap. And then I looked down. And uh, my hands were covered in blood because I'd just been cutting the shit out of my thumb. Oh, over you're and cutting. Over again. You're cutting in. Uh, I just didn't into feel your it hand and not yeah, cutting yeah. away. Uh, yeah, I thought my hand was soap. Anyway, I think I would be killed if I was born in a different time period. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> I did drugs and broke into cars when I was a kid. When you were like ten years old. Yeah. Did you know I did? I found out this out this week. <laughs> Let's move on. I went to middle school with Lizzo, like in the same class. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. I, somebody showed me her Wikipedia page and said she went to my fucking middle school and I've been, like, racking my brain all week trying to figure out, like, which fucking per- Like, were we in the same class? Because she wasn't called Lizzo What's her name then. Lizzo at the time? No, her name's, like, Marianne Jefferson or something like that. Marianne, Marianne Williamson? Jefferson. Marianne Maybe it was, she, like, morphed into Lizzo and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've attained the power of transformation woman. from the moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't remember that. It seems like such a specific thing to remember. <laughs> Um, so another of these guys, one of the head honchos in the big huge was Madison Grant, who was a banker who was related to the founding fathers. His, his roots were in America and before the eugenics movement was actually an environmentalist. Like he, he loved America so much that he would go to the Redwood Forest and study the flora and fauna and stop, try to stop them from being, uh, cut down, um, because he loved America. He's never come across a single redwood that has been feeble-minded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this tree is not insane. <laughs> <laughs> All of these trees fuck. <laughs> um, but... And then he comes across the schizophrenia tree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the most insane of all trees. It just looks like the Nightmare Before Christmas tree. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. got like a skull on the side. He's <laughs> got the door in it, and he goes inside and goes crazy. And he eugenics. <laughs> Um, what's but, this? What's this? Dun, 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 dun. It's just him, like fucking causing Nazi shit to happen. <laughs> uh, but the 
the tree of America was starting to get a little heavy on the branches in the late 1800s. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice the metaphor. branches are cracking um, because a lot of people, there's mass, mass immigration from uh, Europe. The old country. Yeah, the old country. A lot of Southern Europeans. Um, it kind of staved off during World War I, but then after the armistice, boom, another swell of people. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people who need not apply, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, um, mix. <laughs> Use the back door, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Um, Long-haired, freaky people. Yeah, yeah. hippies. Like hippies are going over from Europe. <laughs> right. That that song is very funny from a eugenics perspective because it's just insisting that, like, you know who has it really rough? Long-haired white dudes. <laughs> Wait, what 60s. song? There's a song from, like, the 60s or 70s or something that's, like... It goes like sign, sign everywhere, sign yada 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 everywhere. It's sign. a song about signs telling you what to do. And it's like every time you walk into a place of employment, there's a sign that says "long-haired freaky people need not apply" or whatever. <laughs> and it's the most bullshit, made-up oppression song of all time. It's like some yeah. white guy in the '80s or it whatever. It really resonates with everyone though, because you hear it and you're like, "Yeah, signs are bullshit. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do." The first <laughs> part that's just about signs, very fun, it's and you're very like, big, "Wait yeah. a minute." Dude, I'm pretty sure you can get a job. <laughs> that makes me question the authenticity of the Jimmy John's. They have a sign that says hippies use the back door. Yeah. It looks like it's like from the 60s or something, but maybe they just... You don't think every one of those Jimmy John's was open since the 60s, you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> you don't think those are authentic signs? <laughs> all all of the signs at Jimmy John's are 100% literal. <laughs> you can smell everyone. Well, that's kind of their brand is like stoner sandwiches, you know. Boy, howdy, or we're going to get into it in a future episode. Yes. Okay. Their brand is Sandwiches That Suck. I fucking hate that place. Fuck you, Jimmy John. <laughs> Suck my Genix episode, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, yeah. We're going to tie up your fallopian tubes, Jimmy John's. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Madison Grant has all this happening and it's very sees all this happening it's very upsetting to him because he works on Wall Street he walks outside there's all these uh, riffraff as they were called at the time um, all these people from Italy and uh, Poland and all these uh, some Germans who were sort of assimilated by that point but you know Europe, Europeans people from pl- other places who Anyone didn't who appreciate wasn't a white Protestant in this yeah, particular moment yeah uh, anybody who did not appreciate um, the fact that his ancestors signed the Declaration of Independence, he thought was a problem. And so he gets turned on to this uh, literature from Davenport and Galton, the other ones, um, and starts lobbying Congress and writes his own book, Passing of the Great Race, in 1916. And he, he sort of invents this idea of the Nordic, quote-unquote, race, which he thinks is the most highly evolved race, the most superior race, but it's a very fragile race. Oh, no. The germplasm is very tender. It's still getting its bearings. It's so good that it, it, you can't touch it. Exactly. It's like uh, <laughs> uh, scallops or something. Um, it's like scallops. Yeah. That good germplasm. Yeah. And it could be knocked out of whack if you get some of these dirty masses yeah. coming over from Europe and uh-huh. polluting the germplasm. Um, the, 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 he thought that lesser races would overwhelm 
the the genetics and uh, if if people procreate from different races. It's always really fun to read into social Darwinism and eugenics and get into what was you know an official academic paper in yeah. these time periods because a lot of it is written the same way as BuzzFeed articles are written now where it's like your top 10 races for <laughs> nasty nymphos <laughs> one slovenians two jewish slovenians yeah. <laughs> it's just like you have a laundry list of just like people you don't like and you put them in order <laughs> yeah. well that's and you're reading it you're like i don't think you actually put that much work into this article <laughs> it's just a list it seems like you made all of this up <laughs> these are mostly gifts <laughs> but i do respect your right to unionize you should do it yeah. eugenicist sci- eugenic uh scientists unionize <laughs> the roma people jiff of hermione nodding yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but that was really a thing uh, in 1921, they hold a eugenics convention where they have all these findings um, and they have, you know, stuff showing that, uh, as they called them, Negroes had smaller skulls. Italians were um, likely to engage in criminality. That was a g- genetic thing that right. you would be a born criminal. Um and this is the first comic con. There's <laughs> <laughs> like people cosplaying and shit. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have a booth for each race. Um, people just dressed up as Italian Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He shoots the spaghetti. You can meet Ugin. <laughs> <laughs> you meet Ugin, but he's, he turns out he's like a fake feminist. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a real eugenicist. He's we saw like, that letter you wrote to your wife, Ugin. It's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> um, but this was, I mean, criminality was a very big thing and it was always, you know, there were findings. There was this family, I think they were called the Dugdales from uh, New Jersey. <laughs> and yeah. it the was... The Ducktails. <laughs> Ducktails. Dugdales. And there was a sociologist who studied them and showed that uh, for generations they had all been crooks. And he, and his point, the original sociologist was, oh, this is because of environmental factors. That's they just teach each successive generation how to lie, cheat, and steal. Um, and you know, a thing that makes sense, right? Instead of this other witchcraft theory. Yeah, <laughs> and the eugenicists seized on this, and they ignored all the environmental, social stuff, and they're just like. See, we got a criminality gene. It's the Dugdales. They're born, they're born crooks, natural do, born killers. I do think it'd be so funny to be from the family that everyone thinks is like notorious criminals. <laughs> yeah. Or not even like, like, it's not like you're from the Capones. You're just like, ah, it's the Four Loco family. <laughs> <laughs> they can't do anything right. They're always throwing shovels of shit at each other. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the weirdest ones to me was all the anti-Semitic tropes because they're all very contradictory. Contradictory, um, because at the time, and this was in the genetics in the uh, eugenics convention, they were saying that uh, Jews are dumb, like that's they're an unintelligent race, hey now. and they can't procreate with us, which kind of goes against the stereotype we have about Jews now. Um, and it's also like, and in in uh, right, y- the one that's true, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, there's. I've known some dumb Jews. I've known some smart Jews. Uh, well, that's like... Um, that's a Bob Dylan song. That's right? <laughs> <laughs> How many uh, <laughs> tropes must a Jew walk down? That's like a feature of every sort of shitty eugenicist, like, 
argument though like for instance or just every like right-wing fucking fash yeah. bullshit like for instance a big one this week not to date this evergreen episode but like there's more antifa shit going on and like antifa to the right is always somehow simultaneously a bunch of pussies and an existential threat (laughs) (laughs) right ninjas that you think are pussies (laughs) it has to be one or the other but somehow when you just this specific style of like alienating and othering in the way that you know the nazis did to the jews is like somehow they're both like weak and also you know they're coming to get you. Right. You know? <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they control the banking system and they're keeping the whites poor, but they're also uh, communists, which was a big uh, stereotype at this time that the Bolsheviks were, it was a Jewish thing because Trotsky was a Jew. I feel like uh, if uh, the right is more immersed in the Naruto universe than you give them credit for, they could have a very specific opinion of what Antifa is, which is just untrained, foolish nins who <laughs> oh. go around. They're not properly trained in killing techniques. Is that a reference from Naruto? <laughs> yes, right. Well, They're Genin level or below. I don't think <laughs> they don't know how to use their powers. I don't think neither of us understood that. But someone that listens to this show, yeah, somebody's well, going wild right now, dude. Somebody came to a show I was doing the other night, and their dog they had a dog with them, and somebody it was somebody on the show was like, "What's the dog's name?" And the guy was like, "Naruto." <laughs> he like pronounced it correctly. Some guy messaged no. me to do a Paul Bearer impression on this show, and I don't know what he sounds like. Like a Paul Bearer, like at a funeral. The the wrestler Paul oh, Bearer. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, that's a clever name. Official sorry from the podcast <laughs> i'm paul bear hey i'm paul bear <laughs> i'm paul bear i'm like carrying your like coffin that. oh fuck yeah he sounds like this the teenager from the simpsons oh i can't stop coming <laughs> my thing is i can't stop coming when i touch the dead it's a weird gimmick but you know i didn't make it up oh this uh riff is uh three minutes late but jews jews everywhere a jew being smart and also kind of dumb Nailed right. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. Andrew. That was a national anthem for a while. Uh, <laughs> in the 20s. Um, yeah. So this starts, this is mostly an intellectual movement at, uh, at the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, but then in 1920s, 1924, it becomes codified into law. Calvin Coolidge s- signs the Restriction Act in 1924, which drastically reduces immigration from uh from europe like by a i think it, like something like 70 or 80 percent just like a, a, a lot of people were coming over um and contributing to the economy contributing to society uh and simulating in some ways bringing their own culture and making america melting pot in, in others um but that that kind of came to an end in uh in 1924 and it didn't get really opened up again until like the 60s so you have during this time a lot of people trying to come to America for various reasons, many of them of the Jewish persuasion uh, or ethnicity trying to come and, you know, escape some things that were happening in Europe Maybe that were kind of unpleasant. Something. Yeah. Uh, one of them. Yeah. One of them. The big escape room at the time. <laughs> Europe. <laughs> you think about a concentration camp. That's the right. most insensitive way to frame a concentration camp. <laughs> Germany's uh, hottest new escape room. Uh, <laughs> but one of them, well, speaking of uh, escape rooms, um, one of the people who tried to get here and wrote letters to the government was one Otto Frank, who uh, 
was not able to come to America and uh, was the father of one Anne Frank, who... Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, Body's so, going through a lot of changes. Yeah. And as, as somebody pointed out in this documentary, uh, I watched a, like... The Nazis are, I guess, directly responsible for the death of the Frank family, but so is the U.S. Congress, and so is Calvin Coolidge for not having a heart and like letting people escape the people who want to sure. systematically murder them. So, is the uh, immigration policies changing part of the Monroe Doctrine? Like, is that is that just the made official policy? You know, like it, independent America. Uh, living outside of Europe's wars, you know, and then the big push for that under Truman, you know, the same kind of spirit that makes the United Nations originally or the the League of Nations. Uh, well, I there may have been an isolationist bent to this, but it was between the wars. What what um, year was it? 1924. So this was like, I mean, it was pretty much just like a nativist. Uh, so it's not Truman then. Never mind. No, that was a bit later. Um, I was sort of listening. <laughs> Forget what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, did we ever? Did we ever like lay out what eugenics means in terms of like public policy? And yeah, America? that's what I'm getting to now. Okay. So there's the Immigration Restriction Act, and then there's a whole suite of laws um, that are some passed, some not passed throughout. It was kind of difficult to get this done, um, but there was an effort to. Uh, have forced sterilization laws for people who were quote-unquote feeble-minded. And feeble-minded um, was a pretty broad spectrum, um, but they had a, the, diag- the diagnostic uh, sort of spectrum was um, based on what age you were mentally, according to the government. This was my favorite part of the PBS yeah, documentary it's like, it's the Do you have those classifications <clears throat> up? I do. I memorize them. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> there, it, the worst thing you could be, or the lowest level, is idiot, which meant you were age three and below mentally. Uh, next, we got imbecile, which meant you were three to seven, and then seven to twelve is moron. Um, <laughs> but that's actually moron is the one they were most concerned about because they can kind of blend in with the general yeah, population. Yeah, yeah. We've all seen Sneaky these morons. morons. <laughs> yeah. We've seen these morons at the Jimmy John's. <laughs> but for some reason... You had to take one of the Nazis' BuzzFeed quiz to <laughs> find out whether you're an imbecile or a moron. Yeah, well, this is what I, I kind of want to get a, a Kill Fuck Mary going with... Uh, with <laughs> no one's ever said in that order. <laughs> with idiot, imbecile, moron. Like, which of Part your of friends do you think would qualify as what? Uh, I feel like I'm not in the middle. I'm either an idiot or a, a moron. I think you're sure. a moron, Anders. I don't okay. think you're three years or younger intellectually. <laughs> I drool. I drool on stuff accidentally a lot. Yeah, you just walk really well. I don't know. <laughs> that's just because you got the soy mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got Maybe soy mouth. I, I'm obsessed with the idea of a doctor coming in and using terms. Like, we all know that, like, doctors used to say retarded recently, but now they don't. But uh-huh. just like back then, you would get a child diagnosed, and the doctor would come in and be like, I'm sorry, your child has... Shit for brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's what this was. He's I mean, a real dumb fuck. <laughs> but it, what's weird to me and uh, is is the fact that it, twelve was the cutoff. Uh, so what if somebody stuck at age thirteen? You know, like that's kind of more dangerous than a lot that of these other. That goes back to ages. age of consent laws at the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good to go. 
don't know. I think somebody who's just like a, an adult that's just like constantly using a tech deck and shit, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, using uh, soaps to try to grind on things. <laughs> oh, uh, but so uh, a supreme the only one with a razor scooter. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the so one of the laws was passed in Virginia, uh, my home state originally, where Shout out. it was hard to get this going um, because Virginia just didn't of the South at the time just didn't have a big scientific community like most colleges in the South just didn't even have science departments. Um, it was mostly beer pong related studies. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they were like very concerned about. I mean, obviously the South is not unfriendly to like miscegenation laws and all kinds of racist laws and stuff. But actually a lot of the eugenicists were concerned about Southern whites for being like feeble minded. Uh, so they wanted to get this thing passed and, um, ironic. Yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, like low income people, which is a lot of what this is as you know, uh, we're talking about a minute ago during the world, during the great war, uh, world war one, they, they all the people who were conscripted because there was a draft that um, were given these tests and they would ask them shit like, you know, uh, where is the chimney supposed to go? They would show you a diagram of a house and like, where's the chimney supposed to go or, or what's what's missing? They would have a house and there was a chimney missing. And like a, there's a guy from Sicily who drew a cross in right. place of the chimney. Italians think the cross is a chimney. <laughs> right. Because so I don't think they have chimneys in Sicily. It's, it's kind of hot there. They don't really need that. It's a boot full of morons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, it's very subjective question, questions. And this is like the, the, the origination of the modern IQ test is like eugenics. And this idea that, you know, you can be kind of scaled like intelligence is this vertical plane where you can kind of rate people along. Have any of you taken an IQ test? Uh, I don't think so. I may have as a. Ch- I, I probably. I'm sure I did as a little kid. Yeah. I've one time, uh, very high. one time I got into this verbal altercation with Joe Biden, and we were forced to do <laughs> IQ tests against each other as a form of dueling. <laughs> I wonder what 1920s Joe Biden's position would be on. Oh, he's a moron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say on eugenics. Like, what would? How would he try to square that circle of being of like he runs for office and. Uh, 1950s after being pro-eugenics. We know he's and, uh, against them using buses of any kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so one of the people that was subject to this law was a woman named, uh, what's her fucking name? Buck was her, her last name. Carrie what's Buck. your fucking name? Carrie Buck. Not Pearl Fuck Buck. you. Who was an author. Who I got her, got her mixed up when I was doing this. But Carrie Buck. Um, who's the subject of a book uh, that I would recommend called Imbeciles by Adam Cohen, who, which goes into her Supreme Court case. Um, she is, it's a very sad story. Uh, she was a low-income woman who was um, put under, in the foster care system, and the nephew of her foster parents <coughs> raped her, and she got pregnant, um, and then they went before the court and said that she was not mentally equipped to, to raise the baby. And they um, adopted her child. Um, and then she was sterilized because they said she was feeble minded. And there's a state law at the time that said you could do that. 
and so they made it so she couldn't have kids. She was uh, actually not really that dumb. She was a normal person. She had average grades in school and uh, went before the Supreme Court. She, well, she challenged the state first and went all, went all the way up to the Supreme Court saying, like, I should be allowed to raise kids. You can't and you shouldn't just make a law that says people can't reproduce. That's fucked up. Um, I know I'm not saying a lot here, but I am frowning. Pretty yeah, strongly. I don't really have any good jokes on this one. Yeah, it's, it's very it, sad. It's a it's a sad story, but uh, their logic was stupid. Maybe we can In goof face, on bitch. this. Maybe we can punch <laughs> up here. Um, the logic they used for calling her feeble-minded, because she was, again, she was a normal aptitude, uh, was that she, and this was the case with a lot of women, is that she fucked a lot. And which I don't know if that was actually You'd true. Have to That's be the argument. Minded <laughs> yeah, <to> be <laughs> fucking around this much. Right, promiscuity was a criteria for f- being feeble-minded. If you're a woman, I don't actually know. I don't think they giving away all that brain. <laughs> <laughs> there it Until is. You don't got any anymore. That's what it is. <laughs> um, God damn. <laughs> I th- I <laughs> suspect Carrie Buck was a- uh, of an average uh, sexual appetite as well, but they, you know, portrayed her as being a pr- promiscuous woman in court. And Yo, if fucking a lot makes you stupid, then I'm fucking boo. <laughs> <laughs> Any person with a private Instagram now would be sterilized. <laughs> um, so her her case goes to the Supreme Court, and the judge. Oliver Wendell Holmes gives a ruling and rules in, in favor of the state of Virginia that uh, they can sterilize her because, in his words, three generations of imbeciles is enough. Um, God damn it. It just sounds so... It sounds so bad. It's mean. It's just mean. You just, and they would do this It also a lot. sounds like the tagline for like a... Like a comedy. Yeah. Like a, like like a, <laughs> like a Three Stooges style situation. <laughs> Was the point of the Three Stooges that they should not be allowed to breed? Was that Maybe. like the takeaway? Which is like, if they breed, our rakes will just be flying into their heads for the rest of it, our generations. I, uh, it may have been eugenic propaganda. I've been, I was thinking about doing an entire episode on this, but the premise of the movie Idiocracy is, in my opinion, just eugenicist. Abs- yes. At oh, the yeah. beginning of the movie, it's just like this thing where these this wealthy couple is like we decided not to breed because we're smarter than poor people and then like some people in a trailer are like yeah we had all these fucking kids and then the then that's it and it just goes that's from it. there and you're like you what get the, the fuck did you just say you, know? you get to the Gatorade scene we all love <coughs> there are a lot of people today who will sign kind of say that seriously uh, well, they'll say like I think you should have to pass an IQ test before you reproduce yeah well that's is to it's a perfect fucking note to this episode because this this line of thought never went away. Like, I think yeah. we like to think of it as like, oh, we, you know, we got through it out and it's the thing of the past or whatever. But like with, you know, the sort of uh, relation it has to Darwinism and then yeah. from there to like, um, you know, like the whole like social Darwinist thing and the right. free market and all this shit. A lot of people that consider themselves, uh, you know, fucking silenced intellectual shitty Bill Hicks guys or whatever really buy into that like yeah you should you should have to sign, pass an IQ test to vote and all this stuff it's right a, it's definitely We've... programmed into the culture just uh, historically so like we beat the Nazis who are you know very pro-eugenics but that doesn't mean the American media was against it at all I was having a conversation with my mom 
and my brother was there uh, last summer, and uh, we were saying something about a mentally retarded couple who lived across the street, and they, they got married, and she was like, that's nice. They shouldn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and we like <laughs> we had to stop the conversation, because this is our mom, and we like her, and she's very smart. She's a doctor, but we were like, yeah, it's really fucked up you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've un- we understand now, like, it's a, the accepted that you can't do this on the basis of race or ethnicity. But uh, intelligence, uh, social status, like, that's still fair game to these people. Like, they, they haven't connected the dots on that. Um, I think if you, f- if you don't think people should procreate, there should, you should be monitored and tested and uh, maybe got your stuff snipped. New rules. New rule, yeah. <laughs> um, and that, so that You're was the one thing. who get who gets a test. How about that? That's <laughs> yeah. the rule. Yeah. Double eugenics. <laughs> <laughs> the big E. <laughs> the big E. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. Uh, so, I mean, this is something that would happen is that like they wouldn't even tell people that they were sterilizing them. Uh, you would just wake up one day and they'd be like, yeah, your your friend said you're uh, a moron, a middle grade moron, as Carrie Buck was titled and she just like went in and a lot of times it would just go in for some other unrelated procedure and ended up getting sterilized. Her sister got sterilized too. Uh, and by the 70s, 60,000 Americans had been sterilized. Yikes. Yeah. And as recently as 2015, that was still, I believe, on the books in Virginia. And there was, um, there were, there had to pay out compensation for people who had been sterilized back in the day. Um, How much money is that worth? Is it like, it's like worth... Well, maybe the cost they, of you having a child yeah, is well, that the idea? They would probably, if it was a Republican governor, they would probably make the argument that you, the state saved you. The money. state saved you money. Yeah, yeah that that's the real victim blaming <laughs> thing. I mean, it is also funny because, like, obviously, I believe uh, people should do whatever they want with their bodies, but it is just kind of ironic that, like, now there are people who pay to get this done. Yeah, you know, um, I like expect us to swallow that tripe. Now is a special treat courtesy of our friends at the Meat Council. Please help yourselves to this tripe. Damn it. It's the wrong clip. I was trying to find this clip from The Simpsons where they're all, all the kids are like, I'm a grade A moron. <laughs> I do love tripe. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, The fact you could go in uh, to get your wisdom teeth pulled and then just wake up with no balls. <laughs> uh, well, so that's something that happened to... Uh, a I know no- you jaywalk, you bitch. <laughs> To a woman named Ann Cooper Hewitt, who this was a big scandal uh, in back in the day. She was an heiress whose mom um, got her sterilized because she was going to inherit all this money um, if she had a kid. So if Ann Cooper Hewitt had a child, the, 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 her, her father's will was contingent on her having a child. She would inherit all his, his money. Uh, her mom... Um, saw to it that she was sterilized Ooh. because she wanted that money, um, and her art. So she went to the the state and she said, "My daughter is is uh, feeble minded. I think she was a, a middle grade imbecile, something like that." Um, because again, she did a lot of fucking. There's some shit in my daughter's brains. <laughs> yeah, um, but this kind of this reveal the contradiction in the law because when it when they took it to court the argument was not about 
procreation. It was about her uh, capacity to raise a child. It was they were her, their argument was her lifestyle isn't wouldn't be conducive to her raising a child, which was not the point of the law. The law was to to preserve the the germplasm. Right. Um, it's for our race, sir. Yeah. It's not what this is about. It's about racial purity, something we can all get behind. <laughs> but this was a this was a huge trend in the, in the 1920s. This was on really everybody's mind. Um, they had several Walt Disney rides based around this concept. <laughs> <laughs> they had uh, like um, couples. There was a there was a little bit of I saw about this. There was were couples who were. They would interview who were worried that they were both really tall. And so they're like, I don't know if our kids are going to be too tall. Is that bad for the nation's stock? Um, and it was in many ways a sort of there were a lot of progressives who were behind this. Uh, and part of it was because this was just the dominant trend so some people had to kind of become acquiesced to it so margaret sanger is an example we talked a, a little bit about this with melly macker a couple of weeks ago but she ended up having to embrace eugenics because um as you might assume uh, women controlling their own birth control was uh, not a big popular idea in the early 20th century that was kind of a, a new idea that the, had a lot the of stigma. compromise was your local priest has the birth control <laughs> and you can get it from him if, if you're Italian <laughs> if you're Italian yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're Protestant you can go to a chimney and there the birth controls in your chimney right uh, Santa Claus gives it to you <laughs> <laughs> under the schizophrenia tree. yeah so that was yeah that was kind of like a, a Faustian bargain she made um, and then W.E.B. Dubois actually said was pro-eugenics and because his big thing was you know the advancement of colored people uh and so he thought uh and i you know his I'm a, words i'm a dubois stand for the most part but on this <laughs> he thought that the negro had to get their act together and produce better ones his words yeah <laughs> not anders words. No, not my words no <laughs> that's what he thought is that and and, and i, I what i don't know what was in his head but this was such a, this was sort of how how big neoliberalism has been it's infected every aspect of everything over the past like 20 30 years this was the case for eugenics back in the early 20th century it it was very hard to push back against because it was just it so many people of different political persuasions just were convinced to think that way. Politically, yes, but also you have to recognize that it's really easy for us to say it's stupid now because we live in the future and we right. know about DNA and it's factually proven to be witchcraft, you know? It's yeah. not based in reality. But at the time, this is what all the people in lab coats were doing. So, right. of course, that's what you would back right. up. And yeah. some of them were- I would also reiterate that like, we think we're like so separate from this, but so many of people's worldviews still molds to this just in a more like uh, cleaned up censored way yeah like in a nice polite way people still buy into like all the you know all the social darwinist theory and then they're just like well you know but let's not take it to that extreme or whatever right and it's because a lot of the rhetoric they would use was sort of the criminals should fuck once that's the cop uh, what one of the some of the arguments they would use were sort of what we would call today like progressive left wing arguments. Like one of the they had a eugenics creed that uh, <laughs> Charles Davenport 
Um, the worst Assassin's Creed title. <laughs> <laughs> he came up with that said, I believe in striving to raise the human race to the highest plane of social organization, of cooperative work, and of effective endeavor. Um, ain't nothing wrong with that ain't in, in and of itself. Good you know? creed. Yeah, I'm, they were like, in many ways, utopian. I'm on record. A lot of leftists disagree with this. I'm pro-utopianism. I think we got to think about a, a perfect society. Um, but what we don't have to think about is perfect people. Like, you're not, we're not going to do that. We're not going to perfect people. And the science at the time was starting to figure this out when it, in terms of heredity, which was one of the, the things that they based their argument on, was there's these, these defects, these traits are her, hereditary. Um, and that's why we have to breed it out of people. Um, there was a scientist who was doing experiments on flies, and it was he was trying to get mutations Breaker going. Mendel? Uh, it might have been it was an American guy, um, but he never mind. He uh, <laughs> I'm was just here to help. <laughs> it was he was doing it by breeding. It was Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he was doing it by breed. That that I mean that is the perfect human. That's what we they were striving for was a gold <laughs> Yeah. Um, they thought you could turn enough fruit flies into Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> that was the popular belief. At the time. Life finds a way. Yeah. <laughs> but the he was doing experiments and trying to get mutations happening, and he was doing that by breeding, and he was getting impatient because it was taking a really really long time to happen. And then he and then he just one night was like, why don't I just try something with radiation? So we did some radiation shit on the flies, and it's started mutating them, changing their DNA. Just and writing down a journal? Yeah, you can fuck up a lot of flies this way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, uh, it, that revelation was kind of that um, genes, I guess they didn't know about DNA at that point, but genes were, were very malleable. The human, human genes are very malleable. Like they, they're subject to external factors. There's hereditary shit, but it's not, you know, it's not etched in stone. Um, and uh, like that people at the time thought like the Nazis thought um, because, you know, a lot of these policies that were passed in the U.S., like I said, there was there was a pipeline between the eugenicists in America and the Nazis. Um, but we didn't go so far as to say we should, you know, execute these people uh, and kill them on mass and. Um, when we found out that was happening in the 40s, that was kind of a setback for the eugenics movement. It was like a Bill Maher's new rule, but for us being against killing uh, eugenics people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was like a Bill Maher's new rule. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a Bill Maher's new rule, but against <laughs> eugenics people. <laughs> Always new works rule. twice. Like one of my new rules, but for <laughs> eugenics people. Joke always works better when you just say it again. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I haven't been clear here. Eugenics people? They've got to go. Eugenics people. Um, <laughs> people! People! Uh, but, yeah, so after the Holocaust, people see the, these camps, and it becomes a lot harder to argue that we need to, and the science isn't there anymore. Uh, it's this, the movement take took a took a down downward spiral. Um, obviously, racism, institutional racism, didn't go away because of that setback, the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, um, but today we see a lot of these same arguments popping up, and some of them are still racial. Um, Charles Murray. I mean, we should we should actually think about doing a deep dive on the bell curve. 
that fucking book that he wrote in the the nineties, which was basically making these same arguments: is yeah, that like there are bullshit, yeah. intractable parts of different races, and um, that we need to figure that into public policy somehow. One thing we've been talking about is how like these people are so foolish because they didn't have the uh, the wisdom of DNA and genetic mutation and stuff like that. But um, you know, if you look at like Charles Murray and like a lot of the the you know the neo eugenics the, the, the sh- you know whatever the fuck I'm like not finding the word here but you know the fucking alt right bullshit um, it's all evolutionary psychologists yeah. uh, who just sort of updated the same like method right. and same theory to uh, yeah to like genetic thinking and stuff like that right new patch <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and new there are character. still and there's still liberal scientists Cabinet today <laughs> who will say stuff like we need to if we're gonna have a serious uh, if we're going to take on the alt right, we we need to um, s- not we need to to see the point that uh, race is m- is made up. We need to like s- say that there's something real there, um, and what and like that's they're trying to meet them halfway, and the, so they try to find these differences, these like genetic things in uh, different ethnicities and races. But if you look at it, like it's just a, I mean everybody started in the same place. And it's just a hodgepodge. Like, there's Australians who have things in common with people from... I don't have all the details in front of me, but... you want to talk about a race bred to be criminals, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The Australian race. I mean, honestly, like, that disproves the whole eugenics argument because... (laughs) It started as a penal colony, and then they changed the social situation in Australia, and it's no longer... I mean, if that was... If that was... If eugenics was a real thing, then... Australia would still be just a bunch of like it would be like uh, Mad Max, I guess. I mean, be like that's the what Irish we're going of for. The Pacific. It would be <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, um, but uh, no, science for the people. If you if you want a more cogent uh, explanation, of what I'm trying to say now, look for, look up that because they had this guy uh, who, who's who's going into the race science and showing how it is really a social thing, and there are external factors that. Uh, environmental factors that um, impact DNA, but it is not intractable. It's not a. It, it's not this. It doesn't exist. Race is not real. And anyone who tries to make it, you got to look at their motives because usually they ain't great. Um, and we see that today with uh, Charles Murray now being rehabilitated by Sam Harris, who is saying that uh, he was. He's this awfully mistreated intellectual, Charles Murray, and uh, um, that. He got in this debate with Ezra Klein. This is about a year ago. I think we talked about it, but his his point was like, I'm an Ashkenazi Jew. What if they fa- had a finding? What if there's data that showed that Ashkenazi Jews are more likely to be selfish? Why can't we just accept that as, as data? Uh, and it's like, well, first of all, that's a hypothetical thing. Second of all, how do you, how? How do you come up with that conclusion? How do you divorce that from social factors how do you divorce that from reality in the world and also from the fucking conclusions that this type of research always ends up in which is uh at best snipping people's junk at worst buchenwald and auschwitz yeah yeah it's really interesting man i mean like in you know fucking psychology 101 sort of shit the first couple years of undergrad psych if you take all that shit one of the first things at least you know 10 years ago when i was in college that they had already gotten to and already tried to beat 
way into everyone's brain to kind of keep, I think, this line of thinking from happening is that, you know, there were two theories on just the psychology as a scientific interpretation of these heady philosophical questions and, you know, why we are the way we are or whatever. One approach was uh, nature and the other approach was nurture, right? And so all these eugenicist arguments are nature. They're foolishly deterministic in terms of thinking like, you know, you can find a gene that makes you this or that, these abstract qualities. Um, Andrew Yang tweeted recently that he thinks that there's just a Republican gene and a Democrat gene. That's oh, God. dumb as fuck. And there then, are liberals who think that. Jonathan Haidt, <clears throat> is, is a, that's his big thing. Well, it, it's also like, so what I was getting at is, that, you know, yeah. there's also an approach to this that looks at everything as, oh, you're just entirely a product of your environment. And then if you sort of look into the science of that, that's also, you know, right. probably really foolish. And so... Also an important point. Yep. What the what the smart way of looking at this is as a scientist going into the future is it seems like it's some sort of interplay between the two things that can't be easily quantifiable in any way. Right. Yeah. So like they did like twin studies to sort of flesh this out and they found that like things that you would think that would be, um, you know, argued to be innate genetically, like, um, like at the time, like homosexuality, like they thought was like a predetermined, you know, genetic thing, or at least a lot of people did. Well, they do these twin studies, uh, you know, over the last like 50 years or whatever, where they, what they would do is they'd take like babies that were uh, orphaned or whatever, but they were twins mm. and then raise them in like separate parts of the world, uh, into entirely different environments and then do case studies on them over their entire lives, check in with them and go, you know, how's it going? And then track what things they had in common and what things they didn't. The idea being if these two people that are, one of them's fucking raised in China and the other one's in Oklahoma and they're twins and they both are, you know, fucking blonde, then you can go, well, there's probably genetic basis for being blonde, right? But if they're both yeah. like have personality traits, like these things that the eugenicists are arguing about, or being lazy or whatever, those, th if they don't both have those things in common, then you can look and go, this disproves probably the theory that there's this genetic basis for being, you know, whatever, like a, a more abstract personality trait. Um, all this stuff is mega complicated, but the, the, the idea behind the studies, I think, was to point out that, like, this is not that simple. And so to implement any of these, you know, social, like, mechanisms to control this sort of stuff is extremely foolish and dangerous and playing God, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that is an important point, too, on the other side of it, that, like, we are not tabu tabula rasas. Uh, people have their own uh, blank slates. It's, I think, a Greek word. Um, yeah. You're so wise. We, uh, we have our own innate wisdom or uh, impulses and personalities and things, um, but it's not hi hinged uh, so deterministically to our ethnicity, uh, to our um, fucking, you know, genetics i mean it is but it's it's not a it's not a racial thing so much right. and it's also yeah and there's I mean, we also can't it's hard to separate it from the yeah. the social factors as well we like i'm italian but i only commit crimes out of true love of the game <laughs> gone back to my old self mm -hmm. um the other thing You're is italian? like i'm a little bit i'm a quarter oh, italian Did not know but that. i'm only an eighth impassioned to do crimes <laughs> <laughs> um the other thing about it is like from like a uh from a socialist perspective, from a utopian perspective, even if you could hypothetically someday isolate these things to be predetermined, who cares? You know, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. Is, is society about putting together everything in a way that makes it more advantageous for some people for some reason? Yeah. Um, 
I would love well, to. Well, you could get rid of a lot of diseases if you could actually, like, do genetic programming and stuff. <laughs> Maybe that could be another episode that's, like, the flip side of this one. <laughs> Let's do a flip side of this episode. Yeah, <laughs> flip side. Where we're Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, too, uh, the political science, which is sort of, the, this is sort of the liberal end of this, um, is was originally a racist science. It was about uh slicing up demographics and figuring out how to just get one over on people of color, basically. Uh, and to this day, Jonathan Haidt is somebody who his big thing is trying to figure out the personalities and the different psychological traits and backgrounds in Democrats and Republicans, as if these are the uh, also fixed things. <laughs> this is so fucking that, dumb. Because yeah. there's two types of people. <laughs> right. Is this different than Jonathan Chait? Is this a no, different person? He's equally shitty. Uh, I didn't know Haight. if you were just doing like a funny Andersism on. Oh, I know about. <laughs> Wait, what's this guy's name? It's spelled H A I D T. Jonathan Hate. Hate. Yeah. <laughs> Evil Jonathan Chait. When Jonathan Chait wrestles, he's Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Damn Anders, you've been teaching me, man. Are Kratom we, Corner, baby. Are we? That's the Kratom Corner. Hey, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Thanks Give for coming out. Give it up out. one more time for Jake's apartment. Thanks Give for, it up yeah. for everyone you've seen tonight. <laughs> thanks uh, for coming out. Tip your bartenders. <laughs> thanks to Max Ogle on the couch over there. Drive safe. He's got headphones on. He's respectful. There's a cat here now. Yeah. Are we going to do plugs or anything? Yeah, fuck it. Uh, Denver, Colfax Comedy Festival, uh, week of July 14th, that weekend. I'll be over the place. I have a flyer I made with some art that <laughs> someone tweeted at me. It's on my website and my Twitter that's got my tour dates on it. Um, and also, come to Yoko uh, in Bushwick on Tuesday, which is J- July 2nd. Nice. That's it. Okay, uh, I'm Alex Patak. Uh, if this is your first episode, hello. <laughs> yeah. uh, follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes. That's P-T-A-K Jokes. I'll put all my stuff up there. And every Sunday, I have a show in Brooklyn called Bad News. It's a comedy show at Cherry Tree Bar at 7. Come out and see me. I'm so alone. That's it. Um, I am doing my show about a lot of this subject matter in a, sort of a humorous light. Um, it's a Nazi-based show. Yeah, yes, it's, Nazi it's about show. how I am the superior uh, Ubermensch. The show just Andrews takes his shirt off and then he just yeah. poses. The flaw in eugenics was that it was not trying to find the Andersley, and that's what you. <laughs> the key is the Andersley. <laughs> Uh, you can find out. I do have a show coming up in New York at weekend after next, I believe. Um, and you can find out about it if you like on Facebook, dummy hyphen solo show. You will not find out about it is if, if you just view the page. And I, I get a notification when you view it and, I, and then you don't like it. There's no point in doing that because you're not going to get the goods. You're, you're not going to find Andrew's the dates. Feelings. Yeah. <laughs> don't tease me like that. I've Damn liked fam. the page. Thank you for liking the page. More people should like it. Dummy hyphen solo show. We got dates coming up. And if you're in the UK, I'm going to be in Edinburgh uh, all of August. So please come out to that. The ultimate man in August. (laughs) (laughs) It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Uh, Mr. McClure, I have a crazy friend who says it's wrong to eat meat. Is he crazy? No, just ignorant. You see, your crazy friend never heard of the food chain. Just ask this scientician. 
Uh, He'll tell you that in nature, one creature invariably eats another to survive. <laughs> Don't kid yourself, Jimmy. If a cow ever got the chance, he'd eat you and everyone you care about. Wow, Mr. McClure. I was a grade-A moron to ever question eating meat. <laughs> yes, you were, Jimmy. Yes, you were. Um, you're hurting me. <laughs>